Hello, happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Hold On, Let Me Tell It podcast. Coming to you live from the Dongsville Podcast Studio and Toy Museum right here in Janesville, Wisconsin. I am Matt Marbury. With me at the table, Sarah Barfield. Oh, hey, everybody. Hey. Um, What's a skeleton's favorite song? Bad to the Bone. Mm. Or what do you get when you drop a pumpkin? Squash. Yes. Very nice. <laughs> Any more? Maybe I. No. No. Nah. Maybe I can get <laughs> one. I can't. I, I'm fucked. One up for Adam. All right. Ding. Also at the table, Adam Tollefson. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast once again. It's brought to us by Down the Street Bar and Grill. 967 South Jackson Street, Janesville, Wisconsin. On Tuesdays, happy hour of 7 to 11. $2 domestics and rail mixers. Dollar crappy beers. Free nachos, 7 to 10. And 50 cents off all tequila shots. Dang. And the pod beer is Green 19. An IPA. Green 19 from Titletown Brewery. <laughs> Blue 82. Call it Jets 19 after the last Sunday, right? Mm, what are you going to do? Move on. Keep supporting. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all right. we can do. That's all you can do. Um, it was scary. I thought uh, <laughs> it was spooky. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I hit on it a little bit last week, but when we when we were told that DTS was going to be revamping their their stuff, we, we immediately went with the old, oh, inflation's finally caught everybody, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Their shit has gotten way better as far as their BOGO burgers on Monday yeah, right. and, like, fucking yeah. happy hour Free goes nachos. for four hours half, now. Half-off appetizers and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, go down there, give Wicked some shit, and get some nachos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of that Jets game, too, we all got together. At Zox. At Zox. Um, Down the street. Unofficial sponsor, but, you know, they, they did us good over there. Let's let's talk about that. We had a, an outstanding, fantastic time. Talk about hospitable. Yes. Right? It was fantastic. That was a great time. It was. It was so nice. Everybody. Intimate. Just about everybody from the league showed up. I think we were missing, like, two people. I think Antonio. He was there. Angelo. No, Angelo. Oh, Angelo. And Jake. Angelo, Jake. Cal and Lisa. I guess we were missing four people, but still. Yeah. Pretty good turnout because we had the families come down. Yeah. Um, we did it like potluck style. Benjamin had a birthday, so we got a cake. He got sang to. Learned how to um, gamble. Guilty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he came, he came, uh, me Spooky spins? <laughs> no. No, that's what I thought Both he was going to go for. So he came up, me and Keith were talking. He's like, Dad, can I have $20? And Keith's like, Jesus, what are you going to do with $20? He's like, uh, I just want $20 for my birthday. And I, was like, <laughs> and I go to Keith. I'm like, he's going to go play the fucking. They have one of those, uh, you know, the slot machines, but it's like a three foot screen. Like It's like the Vegas style. It is. It's like yeah. the Vegas style one. And um, I'm like, well, I'm not going to give the kid 20 bucks. But like I pulled it. I'm like, well, I'm going to give him 10 bucks and just see what he does. So he, gra- he takes the $10 and he, take- he makes a beeline for the pull tabs. And I'm like, oh, all right. I didn't, s- <laughs> I-, I didn't see this coming. That's so funny. I was going to say, start with a buck in the pull tab and then you work your way up. <laughs> no, to the- this was a lesson being learned. <laughs> okay. 10 bucks in the pull tabs. He comes back. He's sitting there and he's, he's like, how do I do these? <laughs> I kind of show him. Like, 
He's sitting on Keith's lap and he's ripping pull tabs. Uh, he comes out of the gate with $4 worth of winners. I'm like, okay, pull. Keith's like, pull all the tabs off of those winners so that the bartender can, you know, easily, I don't know what they do with them, put them in a cash bag or something probably. Yeah. I got to yes. say, I didn't even know that part until like last year. Oh, that's etiquette. We were sitting at, yeah, we were sitting at some bar and we won or whatever. And the, the bartender like looks at me and Ashley tears off the little four tabs <laughs> and he goes, you know, they're called pull tabs. So you pull them off if they're winners as he's like ripping each one off. And I'm like, sounds like something that would happen at Pete's. That makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, so Ben's up. Ben's got $4. He thinks he's up $4. Really? He's down six. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, so I'm like, okay, Ben, he's going to give you $4 in cash. You can put that in your pocket right now. He's like, I'm going to get more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's see what happens. So he goes, gets $2 worth of winners. So he's like, I'm like, okay, you can take that $2 and put it in your pocket. No, at this point, <laughs> which to be fair, I'm with Ben on this one. If we're yeah. down two to bucks. two bucks, sure. like, fuck that. But he goes and puts the two bucks in, comes back, wins another two. So then goes, gets his two bucks, goes and puts that in the machine, finally craps out. But he took four trips to the machine on 10 bucks. Pretty good run. And uh, it was a good <laughs> half. It was ended up being like a half hour worth of entertainment <laughs> for the little guy. Yeah. Yeah, I can't beat that. Uh, yeah. no, That's better than fun. the spins. It was totally better than the spins. I'd been two button pushes and... You're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the potluck <laughs> style was awesome. What'd you bring? Meatballs and weenies. Yes, delicious. Thank you. I like the combo, too. Yes. I yeah. remember physically, you know, going, oh, multiple uh, shapes of meat. Both kinds of music. <laughs> Cylinder and circle. <laughs> Country and western. <laughs> That's a good move. Yeah. Oh, it was great. And then there, uh, the Wilsons did the brats. Mm-hmm. I brought a taco dip. That was very um, good. Who did the, there was like a big mound of like cookie dough Becky. with Becky. apple slices and like Reese's Pieces crammed mm. in yeah. there. It was pretty tasty. And you had the roll-ups, right? Yep. Jalapeno Those popper were good. roll-ups. And Keith did chili, I think. Oh, oh hell yeah. yeah. That was, yeah, it was we, great. We had a business chili. proposal by then. <laughs> I have a food truck coming out soon. Yeah. With chili. Nice. Keith's chili. Keith's meats. I like it. Working on the liquor <laughs> license. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Just serves serves Jim Beam and Sundrop. I think that that came from um, one of the kiddos too. Oh yeah, they wanted to put a they they wanted to put chili in the like a super soaker or something. What if we shot it into you know the customer's face? Oh my god! I got out of there at like the end of the third quarter. Things must have gotten crazy. Ryan had a good promotional idea: chili squirt guns. Squirt the chili into their eat holes. <laughs> Shut your eat hole. And then, they, that, then, it, then it moved on to jello shots, and then it was like, oh, that's a liquor license thing. But yeah. we'll, we'll but, you know. Now we got red tape involved. Well, we're working on it. We're cut fine. through it. Right. <laughs> yeah. We had um, JWA on Saturday, which fun. was very fun. Um, we were what back a at the great show. Yeah, back at the Craig Center. Every pretty much every month since the last show you were at, we've like stepped it up. As far as like Dave, one of the referees, he's got he got like this lighting rig. Um, 
there's like a backdrop now, so like the kids and can take pictures with like the wrestlers and oh, stuff. Oh, that's fun! Um, looks like an interview and shit. Like you, yeah, you know, it's all lit up, lit it's up good. nice. It looks good. Dave even brought one of his buddies in to like work the lights. So last time we oh, had, yeah. we had the lights last show, but like nobody really manned them. Manned them. If I think you will. they were so like, like on a set. Yeah, setting. They're on a setting. Oh, okay. um, this time, Dave's buddy like had everybody's shit written down and like had light patterns and colors and stuff for every wrestler. Um, it, the whole production value has gone up. Tremendously. Our booth is nuts now. We, have, is. we got the sound guy. We got the light guy. We got the commissioner. Yeah, we don't know if he's uh, on the take. He is on the take. Or if we have to bust the commissioner's balls a little bit. I have to maybe... make it out there. Well, the next one is a Thanksgiving throwdown. Yeah, that's a Glen Aaron. Yeah, you guys got to be to that. One. Yeah, it's kind of a tradition now. That's the big Good. one. That's the big one every year. Yeah, we'll be there for that one for sure. Yeah, Kendra and the kids will be there for that one. We might have to have two tables this year. Yeah. Yeah, we did snug up at round one last year, but mm-hmm. yeah, who knows how how many will be there? But yeah, we'll pack that place. Yeah. Love it. We went to the um, Ho Chunk Casino last Saturday. Ooh. For um, friends of the Bob and Tom. Um, yeah, oh, my mom show. said that. Yeah, we were together. You were with her, mm-hmm. not on separate days at a separate club. But that was the previous. No, I know that's oh, my yes. joke. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. in, in Madison or no, the, the other Dells? One? The Dells. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because they have. Is it called the Crystal Grand? I don't know, but they're always bringing good acts and stuff in there. Like yeah. good, good as think, far as I think I'm that's concerned. what it's called, the Crystal Grand Arena or, or Auditorium. Like or White or Snakes there this week. Yeah, I don't a- know that. But Aaron, and Aaron it's a, Lewis. It's along next week. those lines. Remember Aaron Lewis from Stain? Oh yeah, it's been a while, but I remember him. Yeah, he's uh, got that was a stained joke. <laughs> it's been a while. It took me a second. <laughs> Scott, don't try to me tat on his neck. I think no. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. He's since got boner you've seen garage him. tattooed on his above his anus. All right. Hey, everybody has their own. Yeah, no judging. How was it? How many comedians? Three. It was fantastic. Very funny. Um, we did a little gambling after. Did not win. But slots. Yeah. What do you play? Yeah. Just slots. Yeah. Um, that was fun. And then last night, Liz and I went to Yeah, the did, I was going to ask how that went, but I thought I'd just listen to it here. Oh, at the Bloit Public Library, they had a free thing um, with, his name is Chad Lewis. Aaron's brother. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Um, and it Don't was haunt on me, Chad. <laughs> like, um, just haunted Wisconsin stuff. So nice. he's like made a whole life. Um, he went to school for like psychology and stuff in Wisconsin, I think up like up north, and um, it, and he's been everywhere, like you know hunting down the Loch Ness monster, Beast of Bray Road. Oh, that was on there, yes. Yeah. Um, Weary Road, yeah. Um, so lots of the local stuff, tons of whitewater stuff. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I got a lot of whitewater stuff for the creep show later. Mm. Um, but even you know further away up i mean it was very very good and to the point and he did it you know he knows his shit um had a fantastic time it was about an hour really mm-hmm. so what so what is he is he i assume he's peddling a book or something yeah he had okay. books he's written several books and you know it's like haunted road trip around wisconsin type of a thing and oh that would be fun 
Um, yeah, and he had postcards. Sarah's like, I already have it planned. Um, postcards <laughs> that were for free, but um, yeah, you know, I That's think cool. it was two bucks or two books for twenty four bucks. Nice. Did you get them? Good deal. I got a couple books. Yeah, awesome. Nice. Um, so that was super cool last night. Um, and they did a great job. Like, and it was packed. They had to keep bringing more chairs and more chairs and more chairs. Where is the Beloit Public Library? I was just gonna ask that. It's downtown, right? Uh, that's what I thought. It's not. It's not. That was like, because that's where I thought it was. And Liz was like, no, that was like a bookstore for the Beloit College or yes. something. And then for a while, I think they were in the old mall. So they're right by Elder Beerman, the public library. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they are right now. Okay. So then I do. They've been there a long time then. That was my first time there ever. So. Oh, like by the Eclipse Center? Yeah. Okay. But I thought that was a temporary. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, Elder no. Beerman's still there? Well, that's no. The sign is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything in that mall? Or that mall is completely defunct? Mm-hmm. It's still owned by Diane, and they're like uh, remodeling certain parts of it. So I think there's there's um, a house center there that that's taken part of it. But the middle part, like the common area, like we saw the MMA fights, mm-hmm. still owned by Diane. So she's sanctioning out that mm-hmm. area. Yeah, I yeah. don't I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that Eclipse Center, we used to, God, it's got to be like 15 years ago now. With, yeah. you know, when the UFC fight craze hit and um, they were doing some local shit down there and like the guy would come up looking for sponsorships and my boss like sponsored and we got like a whole table mm. right up next to the cage and shit. It was, we had some fun nights. It was awesome. And it was, it was great because the, my boss would give like all of us tickets but like any of the warehouse guys that didn't want the ticket, I would grab their tickets and like pretty soon it's like me, Adam, TJ, <laughs> TJ, Keith. Oh, oh one time Keith got so hammered he like passed over. I remember table. that. I think TJ about it. Yeah. made like he bought a bunch of people's shots and yeah. I think he was feeding Keith. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so I don't think it was all his fault, you know. No. I remember one of Keith's buddies like wanted to come up and take a picture with him as he passed out. I got all defensive. I'm like, fuck. That, get the fuck out of here. He's like, no, I'm buddies with him. It was it turned out to be one of the guys that I recognized from uh the bag tournament or whatever. I was like, I was like, fuck you, you're not taking a picture with my obviously drunk brother-in-law. Sleep show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had something super cool but different happen today. Yeah. Um, so I was home from work and I saw the mailman pull up. And he was bringing a package to the door, so I went out and met him. And he's like, hey. No. Are you on the podcast? Yes. Oh, was it that Nick guy? No. Did we have another mailman listener? Multiple yeah. mail carriers? And I'm like, well, who are you? And he he's like, well, I went to school with Ashley Seske. Um, what is it now? And I'm like, oh, Tellison. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, what's your name? And he's like, Jordan Briggs. Mm. And he's like, I'm listening. And you said which one he was listening to now. And I'm like. Wow. Shout out to Jordan. That's yeah. what I said. Keep I'm delivering like, the mail. Jordan. Yes. Good job, Jordan. So that was pretty cool. Mailman's got to be a pretty good gig for podcast listening, right? Like, oh just my like God. bopping around. Every one of them's got the pods in, dude. Just yeah. cruising. Yeah. Maybe we need to market towards Got to get over your fear of dogs, I got to think. Well, I, I'll tell you what. With my job, I'm in houses, customer houses every day. And I would say 75% of them have dogs. And it's a constant, like, he's not going to hurt you, you know. And some of them fucking That's what they always say. on the back of their asses standing up. And it's like, I don't know. He looks like he might bite me. Yeah. yeah. 
Can't we just put him in another room? Yeah, I'm just saying the walk. I got nipped once in the like 15 years I've done. All right, that's pretty good. It's a pretty good stats. Yeah, and we, that dog was a fucking coward too. But he did the old like. As soon as I turned, <laughs> the dog go, was a coward. He was. he was. He wasn't doing shit, but growling at me. And then I turned to go to my truck, and he nipped me right, right on my fucking that's love right. handle. You told that story. piece of shit. What a coward. <laughs> I'm just saying the walk up. You know, you're like, oh, and you the hear mailbox the is there, and then you see him, like, mm, yeah. Mm. But they hook you up. You got some good spray, don't yeah, you? I think so. You always <laughs> used to. Remember then, that was always a thing. Fucking mailman yes. dropped the mace. And oh, like, dude, that's Batman and Joker right there. Yes. You know, mailman and dog. And dog. Yes, it's yeah. Like Crips and blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have some celebrity birthdays. Sure. Uh, so celebrating a birthday on Friday, October twenty second, is Christopher Lloyd. Marty. Marty. We just talked about. Forgot what I I just had a Back to the Future reference an hour ago. You did. <laughs> did you guys see? So um, there's a Comic Con just like last week. Yes, I saw the picture of those two. And and Marty was out there, and they brought out Christopher Lloyd, and they did a hug. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it was it was really good. Like Michael J. Fox doesn't look like he's doing very good. He's he's got what he's got, you yeah. know. And and it, he like gave an extra like pat or something that look because he's always his body makes him always yeah. go still and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it it was pretty heartwarming. I was like, oh man, that, yeah. that, was, that was good shit. Yeah. Um, you gonna you wanna go first? I or? can. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say he is seventy three, seventy seven, eighty four. Wow, wow. He looks good. Yeah, he looks really good. Looks better than Michael. Yeah. Oh, Jesus fuck, man. <laughs> We gotta go back. <laughs> Marty, let's go back and think, cure your Parkinson's. I think Family Guy has it. Oh, really? Joke about, they're like, mm, your future doesn't look so good, oh, Marty, or no. something like that. Uh, uh, yeah. How about Jeff Goldblum? All right. Sexy mm. Jeff Goldblum. Oh, yes. <laughs> guess let's say, no. <laughs> terrible Goldblum. Yeah. We got it, though. I, could, I got that. I'll go 60. 60. What'd I say for Lloyd? 64? No, 67. I don't know. I'm going to go 64. 70. Did you nail it? You no. Said 60? I 60. It was oh, up wow. by a decade. How about um, Better Call Saul Bob Odenkirk? Mm, this is a tough one. I think he's older than he looks. Yeah. Um. Six, I'm just going to stick with what I went with last time and go 64. 59. 60. 60. And to wrap her up, the rapper Shaggy. What do you got on Shaggy, Adam? I feel like Shaggy's like, oh, he's doing some commercials. Now. I have a question. Go ahead. Shaggy's most famous song, what would you say it is? Wasn't me. Exactly. Oh. Then Boom Bast. Okay. My question revolves around it wasn't me. The guy that's is there two guys yeah. in the song? Okay, yeah. so how's a younger Sh- cat? He's the one singing, and then Shaggy just does the the Shaggy shtick. There might be some harmonizing throughout there, but it uh, it is all on that younger guy. Let's like. let's say that that should not be a Shaggy song. Then yeah. that should definitely Ooh. that song belongs to that other cat, dude. It might be featuring Shaggy. Now that you say that. I, I highly doubt that. Why? Yeah. Because it's all him. 
he he does the heavy I'm lifting. Gonna, I'm gonna pull up on Spotify here. It's not gonna give me an age. You gotta go first, anyways. It wasn't me. Yeah, that he that dude does the heavy lifting for sure. All that fucking Shaggy does is say it wasn't me <laughs> the whole time. The guy's name is Rick Rock. There we go. Rick but Rock. It says it's Shaggy featuring, featuring Rick, Rick Rock. Rock. <laughs> He got hoes, dude. He got fucking hoes. You know he doesn't get like he was a young a kid nickel in the biz, for that shit. And they're dude. like, you're gonna you're gonna be featured on. He's like, I wrote this song. Nah, you're fine. You're you're featured. Oh, Rick Rock got hoes. Oh, now I'm gonna look up Rick Rock. Fifty six. Fifty eight. Oh yeah, fifty four. You guys All were right. doing that one. Yeah, All not right. bad, not bad. I watched uh, Halloween Ends. Okay, what'd you think? Fucking sucked. Oh, it did? Yeah. It was terrible. There's a petition online right now that they want him to rewrite it and reboot it. Like, Michael doesn't deserve this ending. He was on screen once, and then an hour and two minutes in, he was on screen twice. So what, who's the... I mean, who's the villain? It, it, it would have been. Do you remember back in the day when um, Freddy Krueger was popular and they did a, like a TV series about, it was called Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah. And they do like one-off stories. Yes, I do. This would have been a great one-off Halloween story. Not the end to Halloween. Um, it's about a guy that was traumatized after how, like. In the same city, they demonize them, and I don't want to spoil anything, but like it. Oh, if it's that bad, just spoil it. Somebody it has to watch sucked. it. <laughs> I was like, mm, I don't, I don't like this. Um, have you seen anything about that movie, Smile? I I know about it. I've seen the. I saw the preview. Stuff. It looks creepy. Yeah. Did you see it? No, uh, somebody we were talking to today did and asked. Do they like it? Or yes. they're asking. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, they did like it. Like so a it was good great. horror movie that's new. and I want to go back to the Shaggy thing real quick, and then I, I have a, something on movies, too. Okay. Um, so Shaggy featuring Rick Rock, that one song, It Wasn't Me, has 751 million plays on Spotify. I feel like he spells it R-I-K-R-O-K-K, too. Uh, you're, you're, you have one extra K. It's R I K R O K. There we go. Um, <laughs> how? But that guy, like, I had to scroll. I type in Rick Rock, and I have to scroll. They're like, "Do you mean Rick Ross?" I'm like, "No, I do not." <laughs> <laughs> so I found Rick Rock. His best song on on Spotify is other than well, the, he doesn't get credit for the one, even the feature. No. Wow. Um, his best song is "Should I Tell Her." And that only has 249,000 plays compared to 751 million plays on that. And I guarantee you that song came out after he got robbed of his It Wasn't Me. Yeah. Because how close does that sound? Should I tell her? Yeah. It wasn't me. Sounds yeah. like a damn remix. It's like, well, it's like a part two. Or yeah, it is. It's a prequel. It, he had to have done that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a... I'm going to fast forward. And this Well, he couldn't you know be what? featured to sing the hook, so he had to go get a Latina. He pimped, he pimped an, another female uh, artist to sing this. it. Fuck this guy. <laughs> that was garbage. <laughs> Should I tell her? Um, well, me. I'm remissing the shit out of that. <laughs> ah, yes. The, um, to kind of go with your creep show from last week, um, the Pokemon thing that was fucking everybody up, mm -hmm. Chris Jericho's in this movie. Um, 
what's the name of this movie that just came out? Terrifier 2. Hell yeah. And apparently people are like, Having ambulances called to theaters because vomiting. people are vomiting and um, I tried to tell you guys about Terrifier like two years ago or last year. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. I fucking loved it. Really, Art the Clown, dude. Mwah. Wow, hmm. doesn't speak. Creepy as shit. It's on Netflix. You said it was. I don't oh. know anymore. If so, yeah. This part, now they got funding, so they actually made a good movie. And well, they only the budget was only two hundred fifty k, and it made a million in its first day. So. You're already above so water. The first one was 30K, dude. Really? Yeah. So there's a Terrifier and a Terrifier 2? Mm-hmm. Wow. And I heard this one's really good. I haven't seen it yet. Because it's only like on Shudder or something like that. Mm. Strutter. Um, no. Shutter. I love yeah, apparently. And there was a kill scene in the first one that was like, oh, I've never, I have never seen that before. And so I think they had to top that because they kept kind of dancing around that scene and they're like oh that was a wild one and then i started seeing these headlines about yeah people vomiting in the theaters and damn but i i don't know i i dug the first one it was Uh, really it wasn't like gore for the sake of gore it was like oh this is creepy it's a slasher and i've never seen this guy before like um certain shit he does that i'm like you've never seen a a a jason or a uh Michael Myers do I before. I kind of remember you saying that now. Yeah, it, it's, it's it was it's fucking. If it's still on there, watch it. Uh-huh, it's on Tubi for free, and it's also on Amazon Prime for free. So, oh my god, the first one, mm-hmm. nice. Okay, mm-hmm. it's good, man. I, I liked it at least. Cool, nice. <clears throat> um, anything else before we get to? Uh, I have a little bonus <laughs> with Lisa. I have nothing. <laughs> you have nothing. I mean. Uh- no, anything. Um, no, Bueller. Say fuck Halloween. Bueller. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Adam's like that movie sucked, and I, that's not. I, you're not the first person to say that. It, it sucked for Halloween ends. That shouldn't be that. It should be a one-off like Halloween story. Like, I don't know. lame. Does it make sense? Um, hmm. Lisa, our sister, wanted to participate in the creep show. And originally she was going to come over and record and she's like, as long as Kendra will watch Finnegan. And I was like, well, Kendra's usually upstairs getting the kids to bed about this time. Like Mm -hmm. she's like, well, I'll come over and record wherever I ended up going over there, setting up shop in the basement. And, um, we recorded this, so I will play it now and then we'll get to our creep show proper, if you will. Hey, what's up, everybody? We have been reaching out oh, and asking you guys to let us know of uh, creep show topics, whether they you've experienced them yourself, uh, something you've heard about, something you wanted us to research. Uh, my sister Lisa, who's been on the show before, um, said that she had a topic that she wanted to discuss. Um, so I'm just going to let you go at it. What do you got? All right. Hey, everybody. So originally I had checked out like three books from the library about Wisconsin haunted places. Um, I ended up listening to this podcast and listened to this one episode that totally freaked me out. So that's what I'm going to share today. Well, you opened by telling me that you. (laughs) (laughs) So I listened to this episode last night while I was getting some stuff done around the house and I got so goddamn scared. I slept with a butcher knife underneath my pillow. So, well, it reminded me. Do you remember that leapfrogging movie? Yeah, do you remember? frogging. Where yes, frogging. Yes, yeah. frogging. Yeah. So it has a little bit of that in it, and okay. that's always scared me. That is weird. Like people taking up residence in your <laughs> in your attic and stuff. Right. 
All right, so here we go. Let's go. All right, starts out. <laughs> I have a phobia that goes by the name of scopophobia, the fear of being watched. I have this weird compulsion that whenever I see a doorway, a window, or virtually any surface that I believe someone could hide behind, I, I imagine a face peering out at me, staring. I imagine what I would do or what I could do. Well, you'll soon find out why I have this phobia. I'll try my best to remember all the details, but my mind was repressed. I'm sorry, my mind has repressed a lot of it. Okay. All right, it should be noted that right now, as we're sitting there right now, she was so like creeped out that she's like, can you pause the recording? <laughs> so I did. Uh, we took a couple minutes, and then I said, she's like, okay, let's let's go again. And I was like, go again as you're going to start over or you're going to start from right where we're at. She's like, we're going to start picking up right where we're at. So okay, part two. Part two. Around June of 2016, my mother and I were living in a small apartment. There was no basement or attic, obviously, but there was one tiny crawl space in the closet floor of my bedroom. I never looked in it. I suppose some people would be overwhelmed with curiosity, but my mind had already imagined all of the worst scenarios. I decided to leave whatever dead bodies and ghosts that were down there for the people who rented after us. It was on let, the, let them have it. Yeah, let them have it. It was a nice apartment, small but perfect for the two of us, and we lived there for a few peaceful months until the noises started. It was nothing extreme, just the odd bump in the night them particularly the scratching. My mom just brushed it off as rats in the walls, which I say, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh those are just rats. <laughs> just leave them. Rat in the wall, huh? <laughs> now you're speaking my language. <laughs> and as long as they stayed in there, I had no reason to get rid of them. A week or two later, I had already gone. <laughs> I know. Just leave them. <laughs> a week or two later... I had already gotten used to the noise. It had grown comforting in a way. After all, I never really liked silence. That is until I woke up one night to a completely different noise. Oh, boy. Yes. A rolling sound, eerily similar to the sound that my closet made when it was being opened. Oh, I was like, what is a rolling sound? But I you, totally you know, get it. Yeah, on yep. the, the rollers, yes. All right, so I peek my eyes open and I look over, but I couldn't make anything out in the dark. I thought maybe I saw something move. But I was well aware of how the mind plays tricks on you in the dark. There was only one way to find out. I'd, I'd have to turn on my lamp. I feel like crying just writing this out. It's been almost a year since I have had to recall this night. I got up and walked over to the lamp. It stood right next to the closet door. When I turned on the light, I, yeah, I expected to just see a closet full of coats. But what I saw was much, much worse. It was an eye. Not just an eye, but the entire half of somebody's face. Barely visible in the tiny crack that he had opened. Oh, my God. That didn't even... Oh, like through the clothes? No, like the door was open, only open a the crack. The crawl space door. Okay. The door to the closet was okay. only open a crack. I didn't get it. <laughs> so she's just seeing half his face. Mm. They didn't even react to being caught. No smile, no fear, just staring out at me. My heart has never beat faster than it did that night. I wish, I wish I would have screamed or maced him or anything, but I just stared back, frozen in time, until I couldn't hold it in anymore. Then I began sobbing loudly. I think I tried to say something along the lines of, what do you want? But it garbled in my crying. He opened the door more, and I could now see his entire body, which I don't care to describe as I've been spending the last two years trying to forget that face. <laughs> then he shushed me. Shh. 
Yes. I lost my breath at that. Hearing him made it real. I couldn't pretend that this was some fucked up hallucination anymore. At this, I sat up and just placed my back up against the wall. It's okay, he said. Then he called me by my name. So cheerfully. It gives me the chills remembering it. This was when I finally got the courage to run out of the room. This creep knew my name. My fucking name. My mom was still half asleep while calling the police, thought I had imagined the whole thing. Mm. Of course, by the time they got there, he was long gone. All that was left of him was that goddamn crawl space. I still never looked inside. Though writing this out now, I kind of wish that I did. Having some kind of proof of this, I don't know, maybe it would comfort me. Because at least then you guys would know that I'm not crazy. Apparently, he had been living in there. For how long? I don't know. But the officers who first arrived on the scene said that there were tally marks inside the crawl space. I don't even want to know how many, and I don't want to know whether he was marking days or weeks. I just wanted to leave that fucking apartment, and we did. The police never found him, not for certain. They thought they found a homeless man who matched his description, but he was apparently unresponsive. I've always thought that they didn't take it all that seriously. They just thought he was a squatter, even after I told him that he knew my name. He thought, I'm sorry, they thought that given how long he had seemingly been in there, he probably overheard all of our conversations Mm -hmm. and my mom using my name. Since that night, he has been the face I always see whenever there's an open door or closet. It's grown more distorted as time goes on, but I always make out that part of his pursed lips as if he is still shushing me. Even now, it's gotten easier with time, but I don't think I'll ever get over it. It will never leave me completely. Anyways, I guess we didn't actually have rats. Oh, my God. (laughs) That was taken from season one, episode three of Let's Not Meet. Um, Andrew Tate is the host of that podcast, and it's scary. Yeah. Like, every story is, you know, like 10 minutes, but shit. And does he only do one story per show? Or no, he, he does like three or four. Oh. Um, but yeah, they're very, very good. Did it say at the start of that how old the gal was that's telling the story? No. And I, I guess I kind of got the impression. And to be honest, it didn't even tell me that it was a female. It, I got the impression that it, it was. was. Yeah, me too. Okay. But um, I guess I was thinking around like pre or like early teens. I think because men are less likely to share stories like that, they'd be like, I would have punched that yeah. motherfucker or whatever. Hit him it's in like, the butt. Front. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like that, but yeah. No, I don't know. Uh, but there. So since then, I started listening to some more today. But even in the day, daylight, I turn it off. Some of these are so scary. Like, they talk about times, like, this one girl just, uh, they just read her story, and it was like when Sarah and I were talking to you about how we would get dropped off at, like, the water park all day. This happened to this girl when she was, like, 9 or 10, and she lost her sisters, and, like, the crazy shit that happened to her afterwards. Yeah, it's very scary. Well, check that out. Um, Let's Not Meet, that's the name of the show? Yeah, Let's Not Meet. You listen to it on Spotify, you said? I do, but I'm sure you can get it. Go to Patreon if you actually want to pay them for it. Marks. (laughs) (laughs) Marks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for sharing. And yeah. uh, anybody else out there wants to, you know, share a story. I, I came over to Lisa's house. I'll come over to your house. I don't care. We'll record <laughs> some shit. Let's do this creep show. Thank you, Lise. No problem. That's good. That was good, right? That was good. Freaky. That was freaky. Frogging. Like for a half second, I thought there was a sequel called Leapfrogging. <laughs> yes. I was like, yeah, I don't remember the name of that. What was the name? We just discussed it too. The actual name of that movie. We always call it the frogging movie. It's um, shit. I don't remember exactly. Uh, something about see you or 
Yeah. I see you. Is it I see? Something like I that. I see you. Something or like that. Something like that. But yeah, that, that shit. And, and like, she was like, oh, maybe they know the name because, you know, the, the mom had said. But I'm like, dude, these people know your schedules. They know they know when you leave for school, they have six hours. They'd run free through your house. Right. They look at your mail. They look right. at fucking everything. Yeah, so 100%. Fun. That's the thing that gets me even more than the people just like, if they lived in the attic and like never left. It's not that creepy for me. I'm like, oh, that guy's just living rent free. It's the fact that he comes down and like goes through all my shit when I'm not here that I really don't like. Yeah, I don't like any of it. Well, I don't like any of it either. I don't welcome it. But so if I just hung on that, I can wait till you leave. Like I'm good. I don't have to pay rent or nothing. Yeah, my brother did that for a while. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Nate Dog. Um, miss you, Nate Dog. Miss you every day. That's right. Mm-hmm. Where's Nate Dog? Um, but yeah, that was, that was fun. And next week it's the last week of creep show. If anybody wants to reach out, um, get on it. We'll, we'll do it. You know, you got a creepy story. Yes. A Janesville legend died a few weeks ago. Ward went was 84 years old. He was born in Janesville and died at a nursing home in nearby Waterville. Ward was a farmer, florist, and railroad worker. He was an enthusiastic collector. His wife died in 1997, and his obituary revealed that he was survived by nieces and nephews and great, great nieces and nephews. But Ward left behind a legend. Or at least one of the urban variety. I grew up across the street and two houses up from Ward's house, which sits along old Highway 14, the road that for decades went right through the town in southern Minnesota. Mm. Ward's house was, and still is, (laughs) home to the famous Janesville doll in the window. If you think I'm exaggerating by calling it famous, spend a few moments on Google and get ready to read about the ghosts and little girls who killed themselves and small boys neglected by their parents and demon possessions and eyes that hypnotize drivers as they roll through a town, they'd forget about six seconds after they leave it. If not for that doll that watches over everything. Today, even though the four-lane Highway 14 now bypasses that town, so there's not much traffic, you'll still see drivers slow down as they approach the house rearing their necks to stare at the mysterious object. Janesville's not famous for much. We have heydays. That's the annual summer celebration filled with parades and a carnival. But that's like festivities you might find in every town in this country that has a population under 2,000. Silos replaced by white paint. Oh my gosh, Matt's just (laughs) showing me a picture of this doll, which I have seen, but I've never seen that picture. That's creepy. Um, Sorry. Uh, Silos once painted as a rainbow once greeted drivers as they entered the town on Highway 14. A cool sight, but one that was replaced by white paint with blue lettering. There's a barber shop that offers good haircuts and dirty jokes. We had Hell yeah. <laughs> we had a good grocery store with superb meats uh, that attracted people from all over. But in the mid nineties, the high school had a dominant high school basketball team. Uh, basketball team. There's a lake, a nine hole golf course, and the name itself, which 
makes most people think of Janesville, Wisconsin, until you correct them and say it's a small town in Minnesota, the one that's about a half hour south of Minneapolis. Oh, they say. (laughs) (laughs) But people know about the doll. They know about its existence, at least. Only Ward knows all the secrets. I always took a bit of, bit of pride when people from out of town asked about the doll, whether it was a cousin or someone that was coming to the basketball camp. They were always a bit fascinated, perhaps even a little bit frightened, as if their parents one time told them on a five-hour drive to grandma's that they better behave or they'd be dropped off at the house with the doll in the window. <laughs> I acted nonchalant as if it's no big deal we live next to the house that was possibly haunted or home to a possessed doll. Ward was born in the house he lived in. And he lived there all his life. The doll sat up in the attic for several several decades. Stories about what happened would populate all over the internet. The website Strange USA offers up several theories and testimonials what they think about the doll. Apparently not realizing that many people just did that and did their own research. He also writes, neighbors have the right to ask him to take it down because of property <laughs> values, night terrors. And if it did happen, what would Janesville be known for? The Dairy Queen? <laughs> the neighbors or the newspaper at the the nearby minnesota state mankato wrote about the doll the doll even has a facebook account a few years ago an enterprising college kid put together the coolest piece about the doll an original documentary that's on youtube called the janesville baby a film designed not to unlock the mystery but to spread it to per- perpetuate the myth to celebrate american folklore it's a fun film Check it out on YouTube uh, around the nine minute mark. The Janes of Barber and cousin of Ward Jimmy Fury pops up. The movie maker Dan Cutler, who attended Saginaw Valley State, won an award for the movie. When Ward died, Cutler also left a nice note on his obituary writing about how Ward spoke very openly about his life, love, and local history. In 2010, I received an email about a high school student writing the paper about it or a paper about the doll who saw something I had written about it before, and he wanted to interview me. I'm sure I disappointed her with my boring insight, which was really no insight at all, except to say that Ward was a nice man, the doll wasn't scary, and I didn't know what the true story was, even if there was a story at all. The doll was fascinated, or the doll has fascinated several generations of town folk and passerbys. It was always there, and the story will always be secret. In 1976, in the celebration of the bicentennial, the town put together a time capsule in the city park, which is across the street from Ward's house. In it, Ward, so the story goes, reveals the meaning behind the doll. I never found out if it was a handwritten note or typed letter. The capsule won't be open until 2176. Oh Fuck! <laughs> and you can only guess the reaction of those who, d- who do take a key or crowbar to the vault. What's this doll they speak of? As a kid, it always set me that I wouldn't be there for the big reveal. This story now frustrates my wife. On one trip, she hatched a scheme involving us tearing open the vault, getting to the answer. I love this though girl. She, though she left out tiny details on how we were supposed to get away with the crime. Or perhaps we have ourselves cryogenically frozen so we can return for the unveiling. Yes. <laughs> Growing up next to the, the window... Uh, wasn't a big part of daily life. It was handy as a directional for, for, for visitors. Turn uh, left right before it. We're to the house next to the church. But hardly filled our hearts with dread. 
Ward was a great neighbor and a friendly face. He drove around in a station wagon, always seemed to be filled with, or drove around in a station wagon that always seemed to be filled with stuff. Ward drove slow, and that speed only decre- decreases as age increased. <laughs> Call it parade speed speed uh, gray I, nomads. <laughs> I often played on our street throwing a ball against an old stone wall that surrounded the road feeling cement grounders hour after hour when i saw ward rolling to the street i knew i had time for a few more throws before the car <laughs> arrived we both wave and continue about our day Janesa won't won't be quite the same without ward one of those small town characters hope to find a town every town has them the bartender who's been serving drinks and listening to BS since the 50s. The barber with all the gossip. The newspaper editor with all the stories. The small bus driver who's seen all the faces. The florist and the railroad worker who knows the answer to the biggest secret. He was always there, always in the house, attic filled with grand pianos and a famous doll. He was part of Jane's history and always knew about its history. I never feared the doll, but like a driver from South Dakota passing through for the first and last time, I still look at it. When I'm back in Janesville, it's comforting. It's home. Shortly after Ward died, my dad was talking on the phone with my niece. Out the window, we could see flashlights shining down by Ward's house. Turned out it was the police, but they were just poking around. Dad told Brandy the doll escaped and was running down the street. He spooked spooked her. Ward is gone, but the legend lives. Update. The doll has been taken down from the window. No. And it's in the public library at Janesville, Minnesota. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Let's go see it. That was good. I pulled up um, <laughs> Janesville, Minnesota. I just wanted to see what like the population and stuff was. There's one in Iowa, too. Just over um, 2,000 people right now. But the first thing that pops up, victim paralyzed, 29 bullets hit car in Janesville shooting. July 28th, 2022. Oh, my God. Adam's birthday. I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Look at me, man. Mm -hmm. I got the doll. I got Robert. (laughs) (laughs) You can start your own legend. I want to go see that doll. Half hour south of Minneapolis. Like, I must be pretty close. We go to visit Kendra's um, aunt and uncle. They're in Prior Lake, Minnesota, and that's... Pretty much a half hour south of Minneapolis. So. I wonder if they've heard of it. Prior to Janesville. Prior Lake, Minnesota. Let's see uh, if I see Janesville on here very close or something. Bloomington. Yeah, they're like right outside of Bloomington. Mm, I don't know. What do you got, Sarah? I oh, there it is. It's not too far. I have nothing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm just kidding. Um, oh yeah. You're like the take a right at the turn. <laughs> you go to pick up the, your sibling in in the car, and as they open up the door, you fucking sneak ahead a little bit, and then they run up to get in, sneak ahead. I'm not gonna do it again. Don't do it this time. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I swear. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Always have to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On the morning of April 12th, 1981. Sheila Sharp returned to her home at Cabin 28 in the Ketty Resorts in California from the next-door neighbor's house. What the 14-year-old girl discovered inside the modest four-room cabin instantly became one of the most macabre scenes in modern American crime history and has, become, and has come to be known as the gruesome Ketty murders. Inside Cabin 28, 
were the bodies of her mother, Glenna, Sue Sharp, her teenage brother, John, and his high school friend, Dana Wingate. Which, Four dead bodies or three? What's the body count? There are three. Um, and I thought Dana was a girl for a little bit, but it's not. Dana's one of those names that can go either way. Dana Carvey. Yeah. Um, Dana White. Yeah. Uh, who's the one who does the Wheel of Fortune? Alvana, not Dana. <laughs> White. Pat Sajak. <laughs> um, the three had been bound by medical and electrical tape and had either been viciously stabbed, strangled, or bludgeoned. Sheila's sister, 12-year-old Tina Sharp, was nowhere to be found. Stranger still, in an adjoining bedroom, the two youngest Sharp boys, Ricky and Greg, as well as their friend and neighbor, 12-year-old Justin Smart, were found unharmed. They had apparently slept through the entire massacre, which had unfolded mere feet from their beds. Holy shit. The Sharp family had just moved into Cabin 28 the year before. Sue had just divorced her husband and brought her children from Connecticut to Ketty in Northern California. The six of them, 36-year-old Sue, her 15-year-old son John, 14-year-old daughter Sheila, 12-year-old daughter Tina, and 10-year-old Rick and 5-year-old Greg were friendly with their nearby neighbors at the Ketty Resort. The night before the murders, Sheila had slept over at a friend's house down the street. John and his 17-year-old friend Dana had hitchhiked to a nearby town of Quincy for a party and returned sometime later that evening. Tina had briefly joined her sister at the neighbor's before returning home to her mother, two younger brothers, and one of the neighbor boys, Justin Smart. When Sheila returned home early the next morning to find her mother, brother, and his friend bloodied on the living room floor, she bolted back to her neighbor's house. Her friend's dad retrieved the three unharmed boys through their bedroom window so they would not have to see the scene. The murders had been notably violent. Investigators were called about an hour after Sheila had discovered her slain family. Deputy Hank Clement was the first to arrive on the scene, and he reported blood everywhere. On the walls, the bottoms of the victim's shoes, Sue's bare feet, the bedding in Tina's room, the furniture, the ceiling, the doors, and on the back steps. The prevalence of blood suggested to investigators that the victims had been moved and rearranged from the positions in which they were murdered. Young John was closest to the front door, face up, his hands blood-covered and bound with medical tape. His throat had been slit. His friend Dana was on the floor beside him on his stomach. His head was badly damaged as though bashed in with a blunt object and lay partially on a pillow. He had been manually strangled. His ankles were tied with electrical wire, which was wound also around John's ankles so that the two were connected. Sheila's mother had been covered partially with a blanket, though that had done little to hide her gruesome injuries. On her side, the mother of five was naked from the waist down, tightly gagged with a bandana and her own underwear secured with medical tape. She had injuries consistent with a struggle and had an imprint of the butt of a 88 pellet gun on the side of her head. Like her son, her throat had been cut. All victims Fucked. had... I know. Slaughter. <clears throat> All victims had suffered blunt force trauma by hammer or hammers. They also had they also all sustained multiple stab wounds. A bent steak knife was on the floor. A butcher knife and claw hammer, both also bloodied, were side by side on a wooden small wooden table near the entry into the kitchen. It would take the police hours to realize that a fourth victim, Tina, was missing. The daughter. Mm-hmm, the, yeah, the youngest one. 
When it was eventually discovered that Tina Sharp was missing, the FBI arrived on the scene. The sheriff at the time of the murders, Doug Thomas, and his deputy, Lieutenant Don Stoy, were not initially able to discern an apparent motive. The murders at Ketty Cabin 28 appeared to be random acts of cruelty. The strangest thing is that there is no apparent motive. Any case without an apparent motive is the toughest to solve, Stoy recalled to the Sacramento Bee in 1987. Further, the home did not indicate forced entry, though detectives did recover an unidentified fingerprint from a handrail on the back stairs. The cabin's telephone had been left off the hook and all the lights had been shut off as well as the drapes closed. More confounding is that the three youngest boys were not only untouched but allegedly unaware of the event, even though a woman and her boyfriend in the next in the door in the cabin next door awoke around 1:30 a.m. to what they described were muffled screams. Unable to discern from where they were coming from, they went back to bed. However, though the three boys initially claimed to have slept through the massacre, Ricky and Greg's friend Justin Smart did later say that he saw Sue with two men in the house that night. One reportedly had a mustache and long hair, and the other was clean-shaven with short hair, but both in glasses. One of the men had a hammer. Justin reported then that John and Dana entered the home and argued with the men, which resulted in a violent fight. Tina was then allegedly taken out the cabin's back door by one of the men. Allegedly, a lot of potential evidence was collected at the scene, but because this was pre-DNA testing, very little helpful information was found at the time. Sheriff Thomas called the Sacramento Department of Justice, which then sent in two special agents from their organized crime unit, not homicide, which struck many as odd. Immediately, the two lead suspects were Justin Smart's father and the Sharps' neighbors, Martin Smart and his house guest, ex-convict Joe Bo Bodeby, who was known to have connections to organized crime in the area. Both men had been seen in suits and ties, behaving oddly in the bar the night before. Martin Smart later told the police that he had a hammer that matched the one discovered and also that his hammer had gone missing shortly before the murders. Later that year, a knife was recovered in a trash can outside the Caddy General Store. Authorities also believed this item to be linked to the crimes. It would be another three years after the Ketty murders that Tina was found. Holy shit. Damn. Yeah. Um, a man discovered a human skull in the adjoining Butte County, about 30 mm. miles from Ketty, in Plumas County. Near the remains, detectives also found a child's blanket, a blue nylon jacket, a pair of jeans with a missing back pocket, and an empty surgical tape dispenser. With that, the remains of Tina Sharp had been found, which made the crimes committed on April 11th or 12th, 1981, a quadruple homicide. The Butte County Sheriff's Department soon received an anonymous call asking, I was wondering if they thought of the murder up in Caddy, up in Caddy, up in Plumas County a couple year, years ago where a 12-year-old girl was never found. Meanwhile, Sheriff Thomas had resigned from the investigation three months in and took a job instead at the Sacramento Department of Justice. His handling of the case, in retrospect, would be considered disastrous at best and corrupt at worst. I was told the suspects were told to get out of town, so to me, that means it was covered up, Sheila Sharp told CBS Sacramento in 2016. Cabin 28 was demolished in 2004. Remarkably, the tape of the anonymous tip regarding Tina was found sealed in case files untouched by Plumas County Sheriff's Department until 2013 when the case was reopened when new investigators, Plumas Sheriff Greg Hagwood and Special Investigator Mike Gamberg. In 2016, Gamberg located a hammer believed to be one of the murder weapons in a dried-up pond in Ketty. 
So, I mean, we're talking from 81 to 2016. Yeah. A long time. Um, Further, it came to light that Marilyn Smart, Marty's wife and mother of Justin, had left her husband on the day of the murder discovery. Afterwards, she provided Plumas County Sheriff's Department with a handwritten letter sent to her and signed by her estranged husband. It read, I paid the price of your love, and now that I've bought it with four people's lives, you tell me we are through. Great. What else do you want? Whoa. This letter was not treated as a confession, nor was it followed up on at the time. Even though Marilyn admitted in a 2008 documentary that she thought her husband, his friend Bo, was responsible, Sheriff Doug Thomas contradicted this and stated that Martin had successfully passed a polygraph test. It was later confirmed that Martin was close with the sheriff. In 2016, Gamberg met with a counselor at the Reno Veterans Administration. The anonymous counselor told him that in May 1981, Martin Smart had confessed to killing Sue and Tina Sharp. I I killed the woman and her daughter, but I didn't have anything to do with the boys, he purportedly told the counselor. When the Department of Justice was alerted to this confession in 1981, they dismissed it as hearsay. The most widely accepted theory involves a love triangle between Martin, Marilyn, and Sue. It was believed that Martin and Sue were having an affair and that Sue was supposedly counseling Marilyn to leave her husband, who she had said was abusive to her. When Martin discovered this, he enlisted Bo, his friend, and known mob enforcer who had lived with the Smarts a mere 10 days before the Caddy murders to take Sue out of the picture. This would account for Marilyn leaving her husband the day of the murder discovery. It would also explain why the smart boy and the other sharp boys in the adjoining room were spared. Mm -hmm. Additionally, it gives context to Martin's handwritten note that Marilyn gave to the Plumas Sheriff's Department. Some investigators who picked up the case when it reopened in 2013 tie the slayings into an even larger plot. To Gamberg, it is clear that the Department of Justice and Thomas Run Sheriff's Department covered it up is the way it sounds he alleges that bo and martin fit into a larger drug smuggling scheme that involved the federal government oh shit right um martin was a known drug dealer and bo was connected to chicago crime syndicates with financial interest in drug distribution this might explain why the sacramento department of justice sent two allegedly corrupt organized crime special agents instead of agents from the homicide department It also provides an explanation as to why the two lead suspects were seemingly given a free pass and told to leave town by Sheriff Thomas. Furthermore, it suggests an answer as to why this case was handled so sloppily, remains unsolved, and is seemingly not a priority to the Sacramento Department of Justice. What is known is that this 37-year-old crime is far from a cold case, as new evidence sheds light on what may have occurred at Cabin 28 in California. Although both Martin Smart and Bo Bobidi are now deceased, oh, that sucks. New DNA evidence has point, pointed investigators to other suspects who may have had a hand in these murders and who are still alive. It's my belief that there were more than two people who were involved in the totality of the crime, the disposal of the evidence, and the abduction of the little girl. Hagwood said, "We're convinced that there are a handful of, pe- a handful of people that fit those roles who are still alive." Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Uh, it's it's terrible. fucked up that they... Oh, I, that's one of those that, like, some of those... I don't listen to a lot of the true crime stuff, but I, I have been listening to that one that you tipped me off to. Mm-hmm. But, man, when you start getting to these, like, slain families and stuff, it is, like... I turn it off a lot. It's just, like, 
who the fuck can just do that to right. people? Like two people, I don't. Then there's a cherry on the top of oh, the sheriff or the yeah. corrupt police official. That that's well, honestly, that doesn't. Ugh. I hate to say it, that, <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't bother me as much. It's sure, the, no, I get it, I get it. Like, cause I I totally get that. I I especially in these like smaller towns and stuff where everybody knows everybody. It's like I could totally see a sheriff. Sheriff is an elected official usually. Yeah, I could totally yeah. see him just being in, in cahoots with whoever and being. But it's it's the and I honestly, oh like, a little girl getting stolen and murdered yes. uh, down the road and they well, find yeah yeah oh. who knows what happened to her for that's right. the shit that's the shit that it like yeah. just grosses me out and the, the murders that you hear about where it's like husband and wife doesn't like doesn't doesn't it's the fucking kids mm-hmm. that every time it's just like I can't fuck I I don't know how in the world you could ever do that even to like teenagers it's like dude come on right. And the and what is even grosses me weirder out. is I mean thankfully those three boys were spared, you know I mean that kind yeah, of that are related to, to the prime suspect. Right. I did want to say off the bat when they're like they were there sleeping. Thank and, and God I, they I had like, Justin Smart stay over. You know. Yeah. Because otherwise, <laughs> also how about a tag team name? Smart and sharp. Smart and sharp. <laughs> I like it. One guy carries a knife. Well, why didn't they wake up, right? They, they were related to him. That's what it was. Yeah. One, no, of, one um, of them. The boy staying over. The friend that spent yeah. the night was re- was the son of one of the, the suspects. accused, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, gross, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but otherwise, the two, uh, the two other boys were... But how could they not wake up? I bet you they. Well, it sound, I think a lot of the way that they said that uh, they drag her outside, and then they said there's blood everywhere. Like it made it look like they oh, were yeah, killed on their out shoot, and then, on their feet. And so stuff they maybe they back were in. killed yeah. out and then brought in. Yeah. Yikes! Gross. Good job, Sarah. Way to gross everybody out. <laughs> Happy Friday, everybody. It's in California, right? Yeah. Well, it yeah. is creep show. It is. It is. We're it creeped is. out. Yuck. All right. Well, mine's going to hit close to home, too. And Sarah, you might have some input on this because we are talking about the Witch's Triangle of Whitewater, Wisconsin. Now, we covered a little bit of Whitewater in the past with the, you know, the water tower, like the Witch's Tower or whatever. Um, the fact that it's called Second Salem with all the witch activity. Mm-hmm. There's underground tunnels that go to, from building to building that they thought that it was used from for like the covens of witches to move between buildings freely without being above ground, things of that nature. Um, I think that we, sorority house broke up. What you're talking about, though, you're talking about a tunnel to, to the bars downtown. What was the name of the thing you just said? I don't know, but there's several buildings that have tunnels underneath them. But apparently. what was when you just the try that that sorority house is defunct? They got the dean psh, kicked them out. Oh, you're talking about real witches? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I was like, is this a bit? Yeah. <laughs> you hung on to about, it so long. I know about, like, okay. That's all I know about Whitewater. He didn't right. give that away real quick. <laughs> no. Uh, I think we even talked briefly about the, there's a like a supposedly a haunted book in the Anderson Library. Yes, I heard about that. Um, as legend goes, got some as good legend stuff. goes, uh, all, all those that read the book take their own life shortly after. Mm-hmm. Even try to check it out. Yeah. About who's returning it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this was in my son's room, <laughs> along with some brain matter. <laughs> um, okay, so this is going to focus on the trifecta of cemeteries uh, that are found within the city. 
The three local locations are Calvary Cemetery on the north side of campus, Oak Grove Cemetery on a hill next to Washington Elementary School, and Hillside Elementary or Cemetery adjacent to Cravath Lake. How do you say that? Cravath? Cravath? I think that's right. Uh, When plotted on a map, these three cemeteries create a perfect isosceles triangle that is known as the Witch's Triangle. Each location has some spookiness attached to it. First up, we're going to head to Calvary Cemetery and the grave of Nellie Horan. Did you hear about that at all? Mm-mm. No. Um, buried in Calvary Cemetery on a hill overlooking the UW-Whitewater Sports Complex is a family plot attesting to a particularly tragic story from the town's history. Uh, Bridget Ellen Horan, known as Nellie, her sisters, Anna and Agnes, and their parents, Joseph and Judith, are laid to rest in Calvary. Nellie most likely killed them all. The Haran family arrived in Whitewater from the nearby town of Kashkanag in 1880 with $5,000, equivalent to about $127,000 in today's money. They were described as being high-ranking members of the Whitewater community, but that would not last long. Judith died first, the mom. Her death was unexpected and described as having been in great agony with symptoms acknowledged by physicians at the time as being consistent with poisoning. But there was no real reason to suspect foul play, so no investigation was conducted. Joseph, the dad, died six weeks later. He fell ill and suddenly expired, this is quoted, expired during terrible spasms and convulsions. Damn as reported by the New York Times. They left their money to their four unmarried daughters, Gertrude, who didn't live in Whitewater, Anna, Nellie, and Agnes. The youngest, As the youngest, Agnes was left the largest share. Doesn't that seem weird? Wouldn't you think the oldest child would be left the most? So I kind of heard of something about that, and it's, it's big in the like, Amish um, communities, too, where the youngest is actually the one who gets left the most, and it's because they had the least amount of time to really learn, you know, trades and things like that from their parents. Oh, interesting. So they might need the most I would help. think it would be like they're the ones that are going to potentially keep the name on the longest mm-hmm. because they're the youngest. Well, but Sure. I don't know. Um, at Joseph's funeral, Agnes was said to be hysterical and threw herself upon her father's grave. Just over two months later, Agnes herself was dead at the age of 17. Her share of the inheritance passed on to her remaining sisters. Oh, we only can go up from here. <laughs> Start her from the bottom now. We're here. Yeah. Whitewater authorities began to think someone had it out for the Haran family, though they were unable to identify any suspects or motives. For Anna and Nellie, life returned to some semblance of normal after that. Anna was a dressmaker, and Nellie worked as a typesetter for a local newspaper called The Register. There were no more mysterious deaths for a couple years. The residents of Whitewater forgot about the tragedy that befell the Haran family. Then, on November 30th, 1884, Anna suddenly fell ill. After a few days, Anna asked her business partner, Miss Wakeman, to send for her sister, the one that didn't live in Whitewater. When Nellie arrived... Oh, no, never mind. It is Nellie. When Nellie arrived, she gave Anna a dose of what was supposed to be opium powder. But after much suffering, Anna was dead just hours later on December 2nd, 1884. So now there's only two. One of them doesn't even live in the state. The coroner found strychnine in her stomach. 
It is believed that some person has been pursuing the family for years mm. and that Miss Anna is the fourth victim, the Milwaukee Daily Journal wrote on December 6th. Who that person is, nobody pretends to say with enough facts or warrant an opinion. Officers are understood to be at work on the case, and should the chemist establish the girl was poisoned, some startling developments may be expected. The public is greatly mystified. Funeral preparations were underway when a young girl confessed to seeing Nellie buying strychnine at the drugstore a few, day, a few days prior to Anna's death. The contents of Anna's stomach were sent to a specialist in Milwaukee for chemical analysis who confirmed the presence of the poison. Nellie was soon charged with her sister's death. At her trial, Nellie said she bought the poison to deal with the rats at the office of the register. She was prepossessing, though not beautiful, the New York Times wrote of her appearance in court. Tall and graceful, she was intelligent and striking. The jury had a difficult time believing she could have committed murder and deliberated a mere 12 minutes before acquitting her. Wow. She's hot. She didn't do it. How could she do <laughs> it? She's, she's hot. Wo- and she's Striking. a woman. Striking. Mm-hmm. I'd fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what the jury said. <laughs> Woman is too little elbow in the she rib cage, would you? She wouldn't hurt anybody at all. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I strict nine questions. Yeah, there. What? Like, how far does that go back? And you just like go to the pharmacy. And you're like, I think back in the day you could got get a all rat, that kind of stuff. Got there. a rat problem? Can I get some old strict nine? They're like, yeah. here you go, Mister Johnson. You're like, all right, you got any opium powder back there? Like, <laughs> you know it. All right, see you Tuesday. 1884. I think that's sure. the way things were. Um, there was a great sensation in court. The accused girl shook hands with the judge, jury, and counsel. Oh my god! And left for Whitewater with her sister and the young man whom she was to have married, and who struck, who stuck with her through the whole trial. After she was acquitted, Nellie married a man named John Burns and lived well into her seventies. She died of natural causes on October twenty third, nineteen thirty eight, and was buried in Calvary Cemetery beside her family. All in Whitewater, of, all of whom. With the exception of Gertrude, Nellie most likely did murder. Oh, that's fucked. Wow. <laughs> From there, we're heading to Hillside Cemetery, where you can find the final resting place of Morris Pratt. Was that discussed? Morris Pratt and the Pratt Institute of Spiritualism? No. Hmm. Morris Pratt was one of the many Americans who immigrated to Wisconsin from New York State in the 1840s. He came with his family and soon was a successful farmer. In the 1860s, Pratt became influenced by a spiritualist medium named Mary Hayes, who lived in Jefferson County. Mary Hayes claimed to have visions that allowed her to speak to the dead, and she soon set up a spiritualist circle in her home where she held seances. During one of these seances, Mary passed along some financial advice to Pratt uh, that she came across while, quote, speaking to the dead. She advised him to invest in a mining outfit in northern Wisconsin. That was coincidentally owned by her sons. Mm-hmm. While it looked like a scam, it turned out Hayes's sons had found mines that held the richest veins of iron ore ever found in the state. Mm. While Mary Hayes took her profit and skipped to California, Morris decided to dedicate his life to spiritualism and began work on the Morris Pratt Institute of Spiritualism. So he's looking at it as this this uh, thing bestowed upon him all these riches so now he's going to give back to the the cause mm-hmm. if you will yeah um it opened in eight or 1903 
one year after Pratt transitioned to the other side. So he passed away a year before it opened. Uh Um, Courses included spirit photography, teleportation, levitation, clairsentience, which I think is talking to the dead, um, history of the human aura, and out-of-body experiences. So all this is in a college town, too, (laughs) which is kind of funny. Um, the school, which still operates in Milwaukee to this day, would often hold seances that were open to the public, uh, though locals looked at the Institute as the, quote, spooky temple. And there's like a huge, um, huh. he's buried there too, and there's, there's like this big mausoleum and stuff. So we could literally walk, or not walk, we could literally drive 25 minutes and, and see all these graves right. that we're talking about. Another legend says that Oak Grove Cemetery is the resting place of Mary Worth. Uh, the legend of Worth suggests, is this the same chick? No. No. no Mary we, Hayes. We talked about Worth and Pratt a little bit. We've touched on, not like in, like this, but we've we've touched on that. Touched. little touch. A little grazing. <laughs> <laughs> the legend of Mary Worth suggests that she practiced witchcraft and cursed people living in Whitewater, including the Winchester family, doing a, due to a dispute she had with the family. In result of Worth's car- curse, family members Charles, Mabel, and Lucius Winchester died all within the same year, and the family's business was completely shut down by 1893. The cemetery board decided against burying her in what they suspected was hollow ground, despite Worth's request to be buried in Hillside Cemetery. Worth was instead put to rest in an above-ground crypt. In result, Worth cursed all of Whitewater for going against her request. And her crypt is there, like you can see it. Damn. It is said that the ghost of Mary Worth can be seen wandering amongst the tombstones on Halloween Eve. Um, one little last creepy tale is that in 1970, so this is not that long ago in the grand scheme, uh, the coffin of a little girl who was recently buried was placed on the sidewalk of the campus. It is suspected that it was taken out of one of the three Whitewater cemeteries as like a sick joke. Mm. However, two fishermen had seen strange lights floating in the Calvary Cemetery the night before and the lights were heading towards the college. So maybe it was like lanterns or something like that while they were doing that. Maybe maybe it's all makes sense, but I don't know. Um, so when you factor in the witchcraft element, all of these stories, uh, Whitewater, Wisconsin, a mere 20 minutes away, sure has a ton of paranormal happenings going on uh, for such a small town. <laughs> and because oh, you said that guy. Good history. Yeah. yeah. The gentleman that you went and saw last night, did he have any other stuff to <clears throat> say that I didn't? Um, he, he, he didn't get into a lot of depth like that, but he said like the position of those three cemeteries with the water tower is kind of, they have witches in those cemeteries that is keeping the evil spirit that's locked in the water tower. And, you know, if you piss them off, then they'll just let that evil spirit come loose and I do remember like a tower thing. Yeah. There's it's in Starin park. You can go see it. It does have a, like a barbed wire fence around it. No, they've churched it up a little bit now. Now it's just like a black iron fence going around it. But yeah, so this triangle, this perfect like isosceles triangle... Um, links. The three cemeteries is fucking weird in, the, in a town that's it's small, not that right? Big. right? Yeah, right. That's kind of weird. I know. Yeah. That's what, that was one of the things I thought too. And then the, yeah, the water tower it doesn't fall in the middle of the triangle, but it's on like one perfectly on one of the lines. Ooh. And then I think that Pratt Institute is also on one of the lines. 
Yes. I, I think we talked about the Pratt a little bit before, and then maybe one, I don't think we went in depth or whatever. But, yeah. Um, what was uh, the other thing I was going to say about the, oh, if you guys like whitewater stuff, haunted whitewater uh, is is prevalent on whitewater bar, bar stool. You guys have Snapchat? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I don't use it. Dude, there's a whitewater bar stool. Okay. So I don't know. They must have like, like, um, regions. Maybe there's a, there's You're probably like bar stool sports. Yeah. Okay. So, like, that's nuts for Halloween stuff, but it's more about... I saw an escape miniature pony running around <laughs> fucking the dorms in fucking Whitewater. It was awesome. <laughs> now, I don't know if little Sebastian's haunted or not, but it was awesome. It was just somebody going, what the fuck is this? And it is, man, just galloping. They're just like, trying to catch him. And I'm like, what is... What? Interesting. Yeah, It might have been a haunted... Miniature pony, dude. Probably. Maybe. Possessed. Then the southern one I didn't like, though, because it was like some frat shit. They're like, we got a new dog, and it showed, a, cookie. it showed a raccoon running in, and then like a dude's, I don't it looked like he was murdering this oh. raccoon, but he was like, get out of here or something. I was Go like, on, get. But it's just a nice little peek into, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, it, it suggests for you. It's like, oh, you live in uh, Wisconsin, you know? And it's like, dude, uh. here you go. Adam, Adam was sending me a shitload of Snapchats the other day. Actually, he was sending my wife a shitload. But I was seeing... He can... There was something that, could, like, he could take a picture and it would, like, animate. No, it was Snapchat. Weird. Yeah. yeah, I know. And now do you see the JWA ones? No. Oh, that, it's a whole thing. Have you seen this shit? I show you, I'll show you after the pod. Crazy. It'll just take your face and make you sing. But it, it looks, looks too real. It looks pretty like, real. Matt's yeah. like, I don't, I don't like this. I'm like, this yeah, is, make me do whatever I want. I didn't do this. Yeah. AI. Remember, I was telling you guys about that. It's yeah. called Lambda, and it's coming for us all. It's the start of Skynet. That's the real creep show. Yeah. Well, next week we're going to have the creep show finale. Mm-hmm. Sarah's very excited. I do. I really like my finale show. Oh, I haven't even researched I my next Peel week. off my face and reveal a robot. It- <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the best. <laughs> All right. Anything else? now. A droid. I have my creep thought, and that would be it for me. Creep thought. Let's do it. Yeah, we're uh, running a little long tonight. I like right. it. If I ever become a mummy, I'm going to have it so when somebody opens my lid, a boxing glove on a spring shoots out. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always love that. <laughs> yeah. That's the best. <laughs>